anybody know? I know it seems hard to even remember some days what day it actually is. But what is today on the calendar? Well, of course, today we know is Palm Sunday. Based on our calendar, this is Palm Sunday. Sandy Faction is the first one to get it right. Good job, Sandy. Or the first one that I see uh, get it right. So there's a story about a little boy who was homesick on Palm Sunday. He couldn't go to church, so he stayed home with his mother. His dad came home from church carrying a palm branch, and the little boy was curious, and he said, Dad, why do you have this palm branch? Well, said the father, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So today at church, we all got palm branches. Oh, man, said the little boy, the one Sunday I miss is the Sunday Jesus shows up at church. Well, according to our calendars, Next week is Easter, and while we celebrate the death of Christ and his resurrection every day, this is a time when our world and our calendar is focused on the death, burial, and most importantly, the resurrection of Jesus. And so since next week is Easter, today is Palm Sunday. This is the day that a whole city threw a parade for Jesus. As he rode into the city, they threw their coats and branches down, anticipating his coming, and that's where we get the word or the title Palm Sunday. This day marked a, a day of celebration where Jesus was worshiped and where he was praised. But this is also a bittersweet day because even as we read of the celebration that occurred on Sunday, we know Friday is coming. We know the cross is coming. And many of the people within just a few short days, the people that were there at that parade, they would exchange their words of praise with words of death. They would go from shouting Hosanna to later shouting crucify him. This morning, we're going to read from scripture and we're going to read the two different services that occurred here that focused on Jesus, but they had very different results. And I want to give you some time to turn with me. I'm going to uh, start reading from Matthew chapter 21 beginning at verse 8. Matthew chapter 21. You want to grab your Bibles and turn there with me. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So that's what happens on Sunday. And then later in the week, we read from Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to read verse 17 and also verses 20 through 23. So turn over to Matthew 27 verse 17, and then 20 through 23. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one of you, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of these two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus? Who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. 
They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. That happens later in the week. So we see two very different occasions focused on Jesus where the results are very different. One is full of praise, and the other, the people are shouting, crucify him. You know, it's been said that some of the best mission fields are in our very own church buildings or among people of God. In other words, as God's people, sometimes we lose our focus. Even when we come to church every service, we can still lose our focus because the world weighs on us, doesn't it? Life wears us down. Satan does his very best to draw us away from Jesus. When the rubber truly meets the road, do we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we have a committed faith? That's the title of today's sermon, A Committed Faith. Have we truly experienced a salvation for which we're thankful, or do we just go through the motions sometimes with empty words? We've come to a time in our society right now where we truly recognize how meaningless empty words really are. We see an example of this in our passages that we just read. On Sunday, Jesus rode into the city with people shouting praise and being excited because they were praising God for the miracles they'd seen and heard about. But on Friday, they shout, give us Barabbas. And about Jesus, they say, crucify him. Why the change? Well, there are many possible reasons the people's views changed. But one simple reason is maybe their words didn't match their hearts. Maybe when Jesus rode into the city, they possessed what we call a casual faith, not a committed faith. Maybe they had religion, but they missed the person of Jesus. Our world has changed, church. And I don't know for how long we will experience these changes. With each day, I become more and more convinced that we're not just going to suddenly flip a switch on a certain date and everything go back to normal. I think probably normal will take a while and a few different phases and stages to achieve. But our world for now has changed. Has our faith, has your faith changed? Has my faith changed? Do we depend more on God now than we did before COVID-19 even came into existence? Do we have, do we strive to have a personal relationship with Jesus more now than we did before all this started? Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, we all need to constantly ask ourselves, where am I in my faith? Am I praising Jesus for who he is or do I find myself in the crowd calling for his crucifixion. So how can we have a committed faith? How can we be real and sincere 
in the things we do? How can we be consistent in what we do? Well, this morning, I want us to just discuss some keys to having a committed faith. And for the note takers, here comes point one. The first key is that a committed faith is Christ-centered. Sounds obvious. In America, especially before all this started, maybe we found ourselves saying, God, uh, things are going okay. My calendar is really full. Um, I don't really have time to talk to you right now. Or I don't have time to focus on you right now. Let me put you in over here where I've got some downtime. Or I'll, ch- I'll, I'll go to church when there's nothing else going on, but I'm so busy with work. The kids have so many sporting events to go to. Maybe we found ourselves pulling God out when it was convenient or turning to him when we felt like we needed him. If that sounds familiar to you, because I've got to tell you, sometimes it sounds familiar to me. If that sounds familiar to us, right now is the perfect time to change those habits. Right now is the perfect time for us to commit to having a faith that is Christ-focused, Christ-centered. In our passage this morning, people praised Jesus as he rode by them, but many of them praised him for probably a couple of reasons. First, because he'd performed miracles. They knew that he'd healed the sick. They knew that he had raised the dead. And they praised him because he was serving them. Another reason some of the people probably praised him is because they saw Jesus as a way to be politically delivered from Rome. He was going to be the one to come forward with a great physical battle and free them from the Romans. So as he rode into the city that day, many of the people probably praised him with the attitude, what can he do for me? But a few days later, at his trial and after his trial the people saw Jesus where he'd been physically beaten and flogged and disfigured he's a man who no longer looked like this mighty warrior or conqueror that was going to lead them into battle against the Romans and as words were said about him and lies were spread they began to believe the lies and the people changed their position or their views for them it was all about me and no longer did Jesus look like he would be able to do anything for me so public opinion as it often does shifted very quickly they were focused on praising Jesus because of what he could do for me for them instead of who he is and what he'd already done There's a legend about an ancient village in Spain, and the villagers learned that the king would soon pay them a visit. And the king, a king had not visited that city for over a thousand years. So the villagers were very excited, and they decided to have a a really big celebration to honor the king. But this was a very poor village, and they didn't have a lot of resources. So they came up with an idea. Many of the villagers made their own wine. So they decided that every person would bring a large cup of their very best wine. 
and they would meet at the town square and pour the wine into a large vat and they would offer the king a drink from that vat which represented their absolute best wine so the day before the king's arrival the villagers came to the town square they each poured a cup of their best into the into the vat finally the great day had arrived and the king was coming to visit them and he was escorted with a parade to the town square he was given a silver cup and he was told to dip that cup into this vat of wine and experience the best this village had to offer so he placed the silver cup into the vat and took a drink but he very quickly realized it was nothing more than stale water you see the villagers reasoned I'll withhold my best I'll substitute it with water because with so many other cups of wine in this vat the king will never know the difference and I'll get to keep my best for me but the problem is every person in the village had the same thought so no one brought the king their best wine and their king was greatly dishonored that day on this Palm Sunday I need to ask myself we all need to ask ourselves am I honoring Jesus with my best am I giving Jesus my true king my very best does my faith in him depend on what I perceive he can do for me or does my faith in him depend on who he is that he's God's son that he came to serve us and love us and that he's coming to save us that he's a great God that he's a mighty Savior if we want to have a committed faith our faith has to be Christ centered number two the second key to a committed faith is that our faith be relationship driven has anybody ever gone to a concert of their favorite band or singer and the band plays new music that you've never heard put some comments in here for me what's what's your best concert you've ever been to what's the your the favorite your favorite concert you've ever seen for me it was the Rolling Stones I got to see them twice I'd love to see them again but who knows uh, if that'll happen um, maybe so and it's, this didn't happen too often with the Rolling Stones, but when you go to concerts, concerts exist in part for the musicians to be able to uh, introduce new music, to introduce new albums. So they're going to play your favorite songs, but they're also going to scatter in a few new songs to introduce those songs. And that's a bummer for me because I don't go to concerts to hear new music. I go to concerts to hear the music that I love, that I've already known. But even when it's new songs, by the end of the song, I usually find myself very poorly <laughs> singing along. Why? Because that's what everybody else at the concert is doing. It is the popular thing to do at a concert. At a ball game, why do you do the wave? Why do you do the wave? You know, it's not that much fun to do. But you do it because everyone else at the ball game is doing the wave. It's the trendy, popular.
popular thing to do. It's why you chant for your team. Yeah, you're cheering your team along, but you're chanting those chants because everyone else at the ball game is doing it. It's the trendy, popular thing to do. Many of those who gathered to throw their coats and their palm branches onto the street, and many of those who shouted praise to Jesus did it because it was the popular, trendy thing to do. I'm sure some were there doing it with sincere and pure motives, but many were doing it because everyone else was doing it. Later at the trial, shouting crucify him was the popular, trendy thing to do. And in that brief moment, it became even popular to ask for the deliverance of a proven criminal, Barabbas, instead of an innocent savior, Jesus Christ. In our own lives, church, we only can have a committed faith in Jesus if our relationship with him is personal. It can't depend on public opinion, what other people are saying, the way mom and dad or grandma and grandpa raised me. Be thankful for godly parents and grandparents, but your committed faith can only come through your own personal relationship with Jesus. And it is a relationship that has to be maintained. You know, I drove up through Taze Valley the other day going to Kroger. And it was a bit strange to see almost every business closed. Most things are closed right now. But you know what's not closed? Nature isn't closed. Go outside. Behold the beauty of God's creation. Connect with him that way. Pray to God. Read your Bible during this downtime. And thank God, if you're a Christian, for the sacrifice he's made for you. Make your salvation personal to you. Jesus came to save each and every one of us in a very personal way. Focus on that relationship you have with him by just spending time with him, confessing your sins to him, and being thankful and praising him that you've been washed by his blood. Nature's not closed. Conversations with family members and your brothers and sisters in Christ, that's not closed. Having an honest conversation and teachable moments with your children and grandchildren, that's not closed. Focus on having a relationship with Jesus and talking to him. Your Bibles through this pandemic are not closed, but they're readily available. Developing a relationship takes time, though, doesn't it? It takes effort. It takes intention. As a lawyer, I'm an advocate for many people. I tell my clients that it's important and it's essential for us to have good communication. My relationship with my clients only work, those relationships only work when we communicate, when we share, and when we can trust each other. I'm not much of an advocate if I don't know my clients. I'm not much of an advocate if I don't talk to my clients. It's hard to have any sort of relationship that way. Scripture tells us Jesus is our advocate before God the Father. Why would we not want a strong relationship with him? We work on so many relationships throughout our lifetime. 
Our work on our relationship with Jesus should be most important. Of all the relationships we have and will ever have, our relationship with our personal Savior, Jesus Christ, is number one. The second key to a committed faith is a relationship-driven faith. Number three, a third key to our committed faith is that we're not swayed by trials and struggles. At the parade, it was trendy to offer praise to Jesus. Everybody was doing it. But at the trial, to speak out in support of Jesus would have been risky and probably even life-threatening. Many times we come to Jesus expecting that everything is going to go well. I mean, we might put up with a little bit of bad stuff, but we came to Jesus and we expect life to go smoothly now. And when bad things happen, we oftentimes ask God, why? Why am I suffering? Why do we have to deal with COVID-19? Things aren't supposed to happen like this for the Christian. If you take nothing else away from today's lesson, listen real carefully, because this is important. If our faith in Jesus is based on our situations or our circumstances, it will never be a committed faith. It will always be a casual faith. If our relationship and our faith in Jesus depends on what's happening to us or what circumstances we find ourselves in, we will never have the faith God desires for us to have. God wants to give you that faith. He wants you to experience that faith. A committed faith takes the good with the bad. A committed faith knows that all we are ever promised in the midst of both good and bad is that Jesus will never leave us. Our God will never turn his back on us. He will stand with us. That's the only thing we've ever been promised, church. But at the end of the day, that is the only thing we need. Can somebody out there type amen? That's the only thing we need. In this pandemic, we ask, where is God? God is where he's always been. And that is will never, ever change. Period, dot, end of story. You know, we've been promised life will be hard. We've been promised that we will suffer. These aren't easy things to say. God gave us his word as a warning that we're going to have trials and struggles. We have been promised that. Right now, the whole world is facing a common enemy, COVID-19. Let this common enemy change the way you wash your hands. Let it change the amount of times in a day you wash your hand. Let this enemy change the way you touch your face or don't touch your face. Let this enemy change your movements or the way you work. Let it change your patterns and habits. But do not let this enemy change your faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, 
we are all probably asking, why does God allow this situation? Why would God allow there to be something that prevents his people from meeting? Why would he allow Christians to have to socially distance themselves from each other? Why? Well, a story is told of a little girl who was out walking in a garden one day. And she noticed a beautiful flower that was far more beautiful than any other flowers in the garden. And she admired its beauty, and she admired its fragrance, and she said, this flower is the most beautiful flower I have ever seen. And she stared at the flower, and she followed the flower down the stem to the soil. And she said, this flower is far too pretty to be planted in dirt. So she pulled the flower up by its roots, and she took it to the water faucet, and she washed all the soil off of the flower. And of course, it wasn't long until the flower wilted and died. When the gardener saw this, he went up to the little girl, and he said, You have destroyed the most beautiful flower in my garden. I'm sorry, said the little girl, but I didn't like the flower being in that dirt. It was too pretty to be in the dirt. The gardener said, you don't understand. I chose that spot for this flower. I mixed the soil perfectly because I knew what this flower would need. And I planted this flower there in that spot because I knew that in that spot it would grow to become the most beautiful flower in all the garden. God has placed you exactly where you need to be. He's placed all of us where he wants us. If you feel useless because you're stuck at home right now, change your perspective. What does God want you to do where you are right now? What job does he have for you where he has planted you? What, which individuals or people can you only reach right now in the current circumstances where you find yourself? Don't let this virus destroy your faith. Use this virus to strengthen your faith. You know, I don't mean to paint a rosy picture here completely because I know people are suffering right now. And a lot of people are dying right now. And countless people and families are being touched by COVID-19 in very dreadful ways. And the reality is, if I'm blessed to sit in this spot and share with you again next week, there's probably many of us who are going to be touched or people that we know touched by this that aren't as we sit here today. That's the reality. But I want us to just stop for a moment and ask ourselves, what positive things have I experienced during this time of isolation? What glimmers of hope have I seen? Use the comment section. Share with all of us some positive things that you've experienced while you've been quarantined or in isolation at your home. For me, I've had a lot more time to spend with my family, and I've had more time to focus on the girls. I've not been running a million different directions, doing three or four different jobs outside the home, and that's given me time to share with my family and spend time with them. 
I've had time to have phone conversations with brothers and sisters and my parents and family members and share Jesus with people that maybe haven't given him much thought any other time. I've spent more time in prayer than probably at any point in my life. Danny Campbell posted this on Facebook last week. He said the following, I've played more kickball in two days than I can ever remember. My ankle hurts and my knees are weak, but so worth the time with my boys. Thank you, God, for the wonderful weather this weekend. Wow. Wherever you are, there is always a reason to praise God. Somebody say amen to that. Wherever you are, there's always a reason to praise God. Do it. Spend time doing it. Be intentional about it. Trust him. When we trust him, eventually we'll see that our pressures and our trials and our struggles are difficulties that can be used to bring us closer to God. True contentment comes when we accept that God is in control and Matt Oliver isn't. God knows what he's doing. Trust him. Thank him for it. But don't allow your faith to be destroyed by trials and struggles. Don't allow COVID-19 to shake your faith. Use it to strengthen it. As we approach or begin a week where our calendar is focused on Easter, Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. Ask yourself this morning, is my faith casual or is it committed? In a week where we remember and our world remembers that all sin, past, present, and future, has been nailed to the cross, in a week such as this, let's all resolve to give Jesus our very best. Doesn't he deserve a faith centered on him? Doesn't he deserve a personal relationship with us? If anyone ever has, he does. Doesn't he deserve our faith, even in the midst of trials and struggles? Absolutely he does. If you're not a Christian, it all starts with confessing Jesus and repenting and being baptized into him. That's when you have your sins washed away. That's when you receive the gift of his Holy Spirit that dwells in you. If you've never taken that step, I urge you to take that step today. We'll help you with that any way we can. Call us, Facebook messages, whatever. We'll help you with that. The auditorium might be empty, but I'm sure there's still water in the baptistry. If you are a Christian, but you've lost your focus, your faith has become more casual than committed, let us pray with you. In fact, that's our challenge this week. Let's pray for each other's faith. Let's pray for our faith to be strengthened in the midst of all of this. Let's pray for each other. Share with each other. I know Linda Clifford started a a Facebook group message with some of us, and that was very good. Let's do some group messaging and some group texting. Got to be careful, though. Remember who you're talking to. But let's reach out. Let's share more. Let's pray that our faith in Jesus is strengthened. People need us, church. People need the love of Christ. They need us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our neighborhoods and in our communities and even in our homes. They need us to be the hands and feet in Jesus to serve physically in some respects, but we can serve virtually as well. They need us to be be in prayer.
Let's pray for spiritual strength for each other this week, that our faith is committed. If we can help you in any way this morning, you can find all of our contact information at hurricanechurchofchrist.com. You can send us a private message. And if you're out there and you're in need of food or clothes, you can call our church office at 304-562-6491 and leave a message. We check the messages a few times a day. So if anyone's in need, let us know. We want to help you. And at this time, I want to offer a prayer. And just a couple of things that I want to highlight. Of course, we want to all keep praying for Brandon Volk. Uh, he's the, the young man here in Hurricane who's uh, in critical condition with COVID-19. I pray for Brandon. His, uh, one of his daughters has tested positive, but she is asymptomatic, at last we heard. Pray for the family. They can't be with him right now. They're home quarantined. And let's just pray for his healing. I haven't heard an update today. Yesterday, I think things were a little better, but still very critical. Uh, we want to pray for Ramona Zimmerman. That's a friend of the Pritchards. Uh, she has a severe infection that is impacting her spinal cord, and she's looking at some surgery this week. She's in the hospital. I would, of course, want to remember David Groff and Linda and their struggles. We want to pray for a couple uh, named Fernando and Alicia. Um, they are a family of the Yost brother-in-law. Uh, they are stuck in a Mexican village right now uh, without uh, the ability to get out. Crime is very, very high. It's a very dangerous place to be, and food and money are scarce. Uh, they're very concerned, uh, so we want to pray for them. And we also want to pray for all of our health service workers and our first responders, uh, grocery store clerks, people out there engaged in essential services. They are sacrificing, and their families are all sacrificing for all of us. And we need to be thankful for them, and we need to keep praying for their protection. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I thank you that we can share your word even in the midst of this pandemic. I just pray for our faith. I pray, Lord, that you will help us strengthen our faith in you. Help us, Father, to rely on you in all times, especially during our struggles, Father. And I pray that through all of this, people will be brought closer to you, Father. Help us as your people to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to share you now in times when we may never otherwise have people thinking those thoughts. Help us, Father, to be your hands and your feet as we interact with folks. And Father, I just pray for all those this morning who are suffering. Lord, there are so many people suffering with COVID-19, so many people who have lost loved ones, so many people and families who are worried about their loved ones who are in the hospital. Father, we know during these times we can't even visit hospitals. I pray for peace, Lord. I pray for comfort and understanding. I pray for healing, Lord. I pray for our health service workers, our nurses and doctors and technicians, Father, all the people working in hospitals, uh, people that EMTs and first responders, firefighters, police officers, Lord, I'm sure there's some of them I'm leaving out, but all those people, Father, that take care of us. Father, protect them. Protect their families. Lord, make the equipment available to them that they need, Father, for their protection and for the protection of their patients. Lord, I pray for the clerks at all the stores and the places that we find essential. Be with all the truck drivers, Father, who are delivering all the goods and all the people loading them and fulfilling the orders, mail carriers, FedEx, UPS, Lord, all those people who are out there serving right now. We just ask for your protection upon them. Lord, send them your peace. 
Father, send them your comfort and be with their families and comfort them. Father, I pray a special prayer for Brandon Volk and for Rhonda Zimmerman, Ramona Zimmerman, and for the Groffs and for Fernando and Alicia, Lord. You know every single situation. Father, move in those situations. Help those people see you and give them your comfort. Lord, be with us as your church. Help us to keep serving. Help us, Lord, to be reaching. Help us, Father, to be the people you would have us to be. Help us have committed faith, Lord. And, Father, help us to show others you. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.